0: Welcome to the King's Cast, dynamic teaching recorded live at King's Church in Cambridge, England. We hope you are blessed and challenged by listening to the ministry today. And now, here's the broadcast. We just want to welcome this morning, just before I bring them up... um I just want to welcome Ian in a second, but Ian is, if you didn't know, is the assistant to our national leader, so you need to be on your best behaviour today. Many of you know John Partington, uh, who came to my induction service and, and spoke at the induction service earlier on this year, and uh, I, I heard Ian speak um, just, well it, it must have been a good few years ago now, uh, in Widness near Liverpool, and I was at a leadership uh, conference and I heard Ian speak, and I was so encouraged. It's one of them things, you know, you hear many, many of you hear my preaching every, most weeks, and you forget it by the afternoon. But there's some people, you hear certain things, and he's one from Ian that I, he just shared, shared his heart. And I just remembered it for many years. And um, when I had the opportunity to, I asked Ian to come. And I'm so glad he's here today with his wife, Sue. And uh, we want to welcome them. They've travelled down into the south. They're from up the north uh, originally as well. He used to run a church in Bolton. Um, but why don't you come up here and just give him a warm welcome?
1: Well, good morning. It's great to be here in Cambridge, Foster and myself, Sue. Uh, We like to chat to people and mix and mingle, but she's hurt her back and can hardly move. So she's not being rude if she's not kind of chasing around you all. She's just struggling moving. So uh makes my life easy. She has to behave herself, you see. So, Yeah, just uh, on the top of what um, Phil just said, uh, John Partington, uh, he asked me to pass on his regards to you all as a church and and as leadership. But also, I work quite closely with Peter Kavanagh at Mattersea. And he also, when he knew we were coming here, uh, just said what a great... Group of people, you were, and would I pass your my, his regards on to you? So I want to do that right at the start. I feel very much at home because um, in our church at Bolton, our youth group is called Fusion, and our music group is called Elevate. So, so straight away I felt uh, a oneness there. So, you, so there's a, a continuation there. Yeah, it's, it, it's a great privilege to be here. We ran the church in uh, Bolton for 22 years. I handed it over to the guy who's my right guy. Two years ago, but half the week we're based at Mattesi, where we oversee the National Ministry Centre of Assemblies of God. I am the assistant to John, um, and we're on the road every other weekend around churches like this. So it's great to be here. See your beautiful building; It's uh, it looks absolutely beautiful what you've done here. So something to be really proud of. We did like being in um, Cambridge. We came a few years ago. We came for the day. And we couldn't park, so we ended up going in TK Maxx and went home. So we've still not really seen the beautiful city of Cambridge, but one day maybe we will. I trust that you can understand my accent from the north. You've got some kind of, uh, Rotherham, is it right? Okay, but uh, I'll I'll try and speak slowly. I start slowly, then I'm usually chasing a clock, and so I speed up. And Sue says it's like you're on Smarties. You've been on had a tube of Smarties or something. But uh, I wanted to share with you today, um, as Phil said, there are. Um, a few books down. They're not books. They're just books that someone has passed on to us. So all the money goes to missions. So they're, they're just Christian books. They're not my books. But there are quite a few CDs that I've done in the past in ministry, and if you can, they can help you. They're there on that table downstairs. What I did clock, because you mentioned Christmas, um, I noticed the last couple of years. Um, Every time I try to get Christmas cards, there's, there's very few now with anything biblical on them. And, uh, but we've got this batch that somebody gave us. So if you're still after something with a, a, Christmas, a, a real Christmas message on it, then there's a few of those. four in a pack for a pound. If you, all the money goes to missions. It's just all been donated to us, so it's not going anywhere other than missions. So CDs, books, cards, they're all there. There's a box there. There's nobody standing there. Put your money in. Take your money out. Don't take more out than you put in. Um, remember, you're robbing the missionaries if you do. That was my only comment, so... So it's all just help yourself if you need to. And if you've got no finance on you, would like it just, um, there's cards in there. Take the card and just send the finance to me at Mattersea and I'll deal with it. We're going to speak this morning and it will be on the screen um, about making the most of today. Making the most of today. Now I'll, I'll, I'll explain this on the back of just reading a passage from the Bible. It is very, very practical what I'm going to share with you. But for me, quite hard hitting in the reality of that none of us know how long we have left. That is not trying to put a damper on the service. That's not trying to be negative. None of us know how long we have left. So that's why it's important that we make the most of the time that we do have left. I'll tell you a couple of stories in a little while that might just help you with that. James chapter 4 and verse 14 says this. Now listen you who say today or tomorrow we will go to this or that city and spend a year there, carry on business and make money. Why do you, didn't, sorry, why you do not even know what will happen tomorrow? What is your life? Okay, so there's a serious question that we're asking, and I'm going to answer. What is your life? You are a mist that appears for a little while, then vanishes. Instead, you ought to say, if it is the Lord's will, we will do this or that. As it is, you boast in your arrogant schemes. All such boasting is evil. If anyone then knows the good that they ought to do, and doesn't do it for them. It is a sin. So simple question there. Uh, what is your life? It is simply a vapour. It's a bit like the kettle in your kitchen. The steam comes from the kettle. You see it one moment that it's gone. And it evaporates into the atmosphere. It's got, it says, your life is just like that. Wow. Now you might be 13 or 34 today and think, wow, I, I feel dead young. I'm 62 and I feel really old. And uh, But I look back and I think, wow, that life it has gone like a vapour. It was here, then it's gone. And so there's a great challenge in the Bible. Um, so I just want to help us a little bit. There's, a, there's someone said these words that really helped me in my thinking. They said, when your memories exceed your dreams, the end is near. You See, God wants us, whatever age we are, he wants us to do something really important with our lives. So even if you're 84 today, God can still use you. It's no good thinking, oh, well, I'm past, I'm history, I'm finished. When your memories exceed your dreams, the end is near. So we should always be dreaming about what we can do in the future. I started off in ministry really by being a youth leader in a church in Denton, um, in, uh, Man- near Manchester. And uh, one of the saddest occasions of my life, or that leadership, was one day when I had a phone call. And I was told about a young boy who was just 16. He was about to go to, I can't remember now, it was Oxford or Cambridge University. He was a very bright guy. Um, And I can't remember it was either Brian Newton or John Newton. And um, what had happened, he'd been poorly in the night, and um, he'd walked on the landing of their stairway. And I don't remember quite a lot of years ago, there was doors all had glass panels in. And uh, he used to have, he was carrying one of these old soda siphons that you spray, again, I'm making... If you're 62, my age, you'll remember them. If you don't, you might not remember them. But it's kind of a metal spray that you you, you have soda water in. And whether he tripped or fainted, he just went head first through this glass window and uh, severed his neck and died in his mum's arms on the landing. And that was quite a, a, a shock for me because I'd never kind of been involved with anything like that. But at the funeral service, uh, it was packed with uh, young people from the college and the school, etc., and family and friends. And the guy that was speaking said this, the problem is... None of us know when we've reached half time. You might be here today and you know you've reached half time, but you don't know when half time was. Or you're quite young and you don't know whether you've reached half time. You could be 30 today, and half time for you might be 16. The football match, you see, you know at half time the, the manager can think he can he can take his players off and he can say, I can regroup, I can restrategize, and I know I've got forty-five minutes left. But with our lives. If we've reached half-time, we don't know when it was half-time. And if, if we're not sure if we're young, and we're not, we don't know yet whether we've reached half-time. So what we do with what's left is very, very important. So what I want to share with you today is, with the time that we have left, how we can use it best to do great things for Christianity, for Christ, for God, for your life, for your future. And I'm going to talk about five simple things just in a moment um, on the back of that introduction. The Bible says this about... Um, the blessings of God. It says they are new every morning. Okay, they are new every morning. And so the question I ask is, why sometimes does it look like Christians seem so bored, or why are, why can our services be so boring sometimes when we serve a God who is His faithfulness is, is is new every morning. And uh, so I feel, obviously feel challenged. When I was um, kind of a number of years ago, I, I looked after an area of the country. Looking at overseeing the ministers, uh, it was called. Then it was called the regional superintendent, and I looked after the northwest region. And um, I remember one—I went to one guy's church, and he said, to, "He said, you know, if I wasn't the pastor here, I wouldn't come to this church." I thought, "Oh, that's a strange thing to say." And I said, "Why?" And he said, "Because it's boring." I'm thinking, "You're the leader," <laughs> and, and, and yet sometimes you talk to people, and, and they don't understand really that. The blessings of God are new every day and there is great creativity. We belong to the greatest cooperation on the planet, the Church of Jesus Christ. And, and out of that, we should all be doing our best to live the best we can in the time that we've got left. Which, Sorry, for which quite a lot of us, we've got no idea. Well, none of us really know what it is. So I just want to bring you a few simple challenges. And the first is this, of five. Don't just exist, live. Don't just exist, live. For many people, life is this. I get up in the morning to go to work, to earn the money, to buy the bread, to give me strength, to get up in the morning, to go to work, to earn the money, to buy the bread, to give me strength. Listen, life is more than that. That's, that That's what it might be for many people. And I know we all go through that process in a sense. But life is so much more than that. And God wants us to really enjoy the life he's given us. I've said the blessings are new every morning. There was a guy that was part of the national leadership team when I came up on board. You might, you might have heard of him, a guy called John Andrews, a very good uh, preacher and minister. And he wrote a, a book called Rest. One of the first books he ever wrote was called Rest. And he was talking about the importance of enjoying the journey. Don't just exist, but live. Enjoy the journey that you're on. Enjoy every moment of it. And he tells a story about, and it reminded me of my childhood when I was a young boy, because we were brought up in Manchester, and our holiday was not far up the road, 60 mile up the road to a place called Rill. I don't know if you've heard of that, North Wales. And uh, that was our holiday, so uh, he, he was telling a similar story where he lived in Ireland and he travelled 60 miles to his place for holiday. And he tells his story, he says, the frustrating thing about this journey was he'd get in the car with his dad and there were two things that really, really frustrated him. One was he drove everywhere at 30 miles an hour. So he's wanting to get there on his holiday, bucket and spade ready and everything. And he would just drive at 30 miles an hour, but he's only travelling 60 miles. Halfway there, he pulls in at a layby, gets a table out and chairs, and a flask, and a tablecloth, and the sandwiches, and the Tunnock's tea cakes, and begins to have a picnic. And he, the, the young boy is saying, "I could, I could smell the sea. I, I, I could, I could hear the sea. I, I could, I could smell the f- candy floss. I just wanted to get there. And my dad sat in his field having a picnic. And as he got older, and as, as John got into ministry, and as he went through some tough, difficult times." It's like the Holy Spirit just reminded me of that situation. And he said, this is what your dad did. He didn't just want to get there. He wanted to enjoy the journey. And, and we can complain a lot. You know, in, you hear a lot of people complain all the time. But God wants you to enjoy the journey. And get the most out of what we do. So if I just share a few things. Because the trouble is, we are in a world where everything is... We've got so much help with technology and to, things to do things quicker and easier. But the more we have... The more we seem to get stressed, the more we seem to struggle. I'd never heard the word ten years ago. I'd never heard of road rage. Now it's expected. Hey, it's cut you up on your arm, you know? suit so bangs my arm when I'm driving, you know? Sometimes, but you know, I never heard it. But now it's like this whole thing about stress and 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 um, we we've travelled quite a bit, and and obviously when we get around, you you share stories, and one of my. Um, I think I'm getting better, but I keep telling people this is what you should do if you want to enjoy the journey. Um, but you know, sometimes when you're in a, a supermarket and you kind of got your basket full of stuff, now you've probably all done this and you look at me like I'm, I'm bad, but you then weigh up all the aisles and you look at the shortest queue. And then you, but it's not just the shortest queue, it's got, it's how high is it piled? And it's—do you think that personal pay by check or cash or credit card, or do you think you're at a till where the person every time they move something through uh, they have a conversation? How are you today? Uh, are your children okay? Uh, what? And so you're thinking, I'm trying—I want to get through the fastest one—and you get in one queue and you stood in the queue and you notice that you were third and the person was third there is now moving faster than you are, so you move across here because you want to get in there. And then when you get in this one, the till—the till thing runs out, and so now you're frustrated, so you back up and you go to another one and you're watching the same people who were third in line all the way through. And it's like if you get through before They do it's like this great victory, and if they're through before you, it's a big disaster. I know you're doing is getting your food, all we're doing is getting our food, and we get, and instead of just let's just enjoy life, you know. I've told that story many times, and not long ago, I was just in a a, a short queue, and I know this, so I'm I'm saying, I've got God, you've got to help me to be better at this. And I'm in this queue, and there was just a lady in front of me, she was an older lady. And, and she gets a purse out. doesn't done everything. She's dead slow at getting a purse out. Then she gets other money. She faffs around a bit. And then, then she cl- closes it. And then she's trying to get it back in a small pocket in a handbag. And it, the pocket's too small. And I, I want to say to her, woman, just put it in your bag. Move along. And, and, so I'm, I'm getting wound up. And then all I did when I finished, I went in the coffee, sh- coffee shop and had a coffee and sat down and read a paper. And I'm thinking, why? Crazy. Don't, I'll, I'll, I'll move on. But, but we, we do, we can live like that sometimes. I'll, what we're supposed to do is enjoy the journey. You know, um, time is precious. The only thing you can do with your time is spend it. You can't save it, you can't hoard it, you can't exchange it. I can't say to Phil who's a lot younger than me, listen mate, I'll give you £2,000 if I can have two years of your life and ex- you can't do it. Wish you could, but you can't do it. And so someone has said this, that our lives are like identical suitcases, but some pack more into them than others. And what we've got to do is pack. we've got to enjoy our life. Don't just exist, but live. Jesus wants you to enjoy your life. Not to be a life that stress, not a life of pain. And we all have difficulties. We all, we all have tough times. We all have things that are awkward. But to enjoy the journey. So that's the first thing. The second thing is don't just eat, but taste. And there you are, young lady smiling away here. <laughs> but taste. Now you'll find as we go on today that... As Sue says, in my life, I am quite eccentric in some of my ways, but I, for years and years, I don't, I see food as a fuel. I don't really. I never really enjoy. Well, I don't enjoy taste, but it's like, oh, I've got to stop to have my dinner, or because it's like it's like a steam train that used to put the coal in to keep the thing going. And um, but you know, God has given us something called taste buds. I would have spiritualized this in a minute, so it's not about food. He's given us taste buds. So if you didn't have taste buds in your tongue and your mouth, then food would just taste like cardboard. But He's given us this wonderful thing called taste. And you know, sometimes people see food and they've never tried it before. And you say to them, it's "Like, so we like oysters, and um, I like all kind of strange curries." And then you say to someone, "Do you like?" O-? Someone sees you eating oysters. Oh, I don't know, how you can eat that. And I say, "Have you ever had one?" I say, "No." So well, how do you know? But but you know, people are like that with God sometimes because the Bible says, "Taste and see that the Lord is good." And sometimes you know, we 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 can just live and we can read our Bible for habit, which is a good thing, but there's got to be far more than that. We can read our Bible to prepare ministry. We can read our Bible, but sometimes it's important that we just read it so that we can taste that the Lord is good. The Lord is good. A number of years ago, I was uh, involved in France to, doing some ministry for a missions conference. And i had been leading church for about 10 years. And sometimes, you know, you can get in a bit of a habit as a leader. Uh, you, just, you can become a bit professional in, I know to do this, I know to do that. I've dealt with that a few times, so I know how to do it in the future. And sometimes you can go on autopilot, even leading the churches. It's very easy to do. I've done it many times. And then you just have to check yourself because it's not about me, it's, it's who we're serving. And uh, I remember just being at this, um, I was speaking in the evening... And, um, I'd got in my mind to speak about the, the passage where Jesus still the storm. And at the end of the storm, the, the, uh, the disciples, when they saw the, they said, wow, what kind of man is this? Even the wind and waves obey him. And there was something there that just got me where it's like the disciples said, wow, what kind of man is this? The Bible doesn't say wow. I put wow in, but it's like that would be the expression. I mean, if you saw that happen, you'd say, wow, wouldn't you? And, um, I, just before the, the, the night service where I was going to share this, um, I was we went to this great big firework display uh, where it was over water. It was two computers and I'd never seen anything like it. It was absolutely fabulous. And the guy that took me, he had a little girl, maybe 18 months old, on his arm. And it, it, we were just watching the fireworks. And as I, I became distracted from the fireworks to look at this little girl, Because as she looked at these fireworks, you could see uh, her eyes were like saucers, and the whites of her eyes, you could see the changing colors of the fireworks. And uh, she was was, just mesmerized by this. And as I was, and don't forget, I'm, I'm about to preach this stuff. And as I look at her, I just felt the Holy Spirit prompt me inside and say, Ian, when was the last time you felt like that about me? When was the last time, Ian, you said, wow, about Jesus? She says, "Wow!" about these fireworks in her own little mind. When was the last time you said you've become professional? You become used to what you do, but you really need to go through a process where every day you taste and see that the Lord is good. Not just, not just, I'm a Christian and this, but you've actually tasted and see that the Lord is good. So it's important that we don't just eat, but we taste. We're all different with how we eat naturally. I'm different. I. I fill up very easy. Well, different capacities, don't we? Some people, uh, they clear the plate and they'll clear your plate if you leave anything on it. Others push the stuff around and there's more left than when they started. I'm one of these people who if, if you said, you want a biscuit? I say, no, it'll spoil me dinner. Uh, I've got a friend who used to, he, he used to eat pack crisp after crisp after packet of crisps And he'd say, do you want a crispy? I said, a packet of crisps? I said, no, I'm not hungry. He said, you don't have to be hungry to eat a packet of crisps? We're all different. <laughs> with our capacity. But our capacity for Jesus. Again, we're all different. But, You will only grow in that capacity when you daily taste and see that the Lord is good. Okay, so that's the second thing. Don't just eat, taste. The third thing. Don't just hear, listen. Don't just hear, listen. Sometimes, you know, you talk to people and they glaze over. And you know they're not listening. Sometimes you talk to people and you can tell they're waiting to to answer you before you finish what you're saying. Because they're not really, they're here, but they're not really listening. Samuel heard a voice, and he went to Eli, and he said, Did you call me? Did you call me? No, 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 no. And it happened a few times, and eventually Eli realized what was happening, and he said, Go back, and if you hear the voice again, say, Speak, Lord, because your servant is listening. He'd heard something, but now, he had to listen for the voice. It's interesting, you do this, um, if you're asleep at night in your house, I, I think this would happen to most people, and suddenly you wake, you're waking up with a bang or a noise, and you've heard something, but now you think somebody's in your house. So you're holding your breath, and you're listening. Big difference. You hear something, but now you're listening. And it's important that we listen. We don't just hear Because part of what we listen to will affect what we eat and what we taste that we've already spoken about. Sometimes we need to be quiet and shut up so that we can hear and listen. Someone said this, we've got two ears and one mouth. We should use them in that proportion. Mark 6, Jesus asked his disciples to go to a quiet place and rest. And they didn't really want that because they were enjoying the crowds and the fame and the, the prosperity and everything that was going on. But sometimes, you know, there's times when we've got to come away from that and be quiet and still. Great passage in um, Psalm 91 where it says, He who dwells, he who dwells in the shelter of the Most High will rest in the shadow of the Almighty. Here we get a picture of someone who I believe has found his favorite chair, dwelling, sitting, resting. Have you got your favourite chair in your house? We had a sweet one, so when we first got married we always had second hand stuff for years and years and eventually we got this beautiful settee, this leather settee, had big arms and I used to come home sometimes and I'd put a big cushion on the chair, sit sideways and put my legs over the side and I was dead comfy and Sue would tell me off, say, look, you're going to wreck the arms. Da-da-da-da-da. I sound like she's really bossy, do not it? But she can't get me today because, I, I, because of her back. So, and, and, but then one day I'd, co- I'd come home from I'd come home from, um, from work or wherever and and she sat on my chair with the legs over the side. I am said, like, get out of my favourite chair. And then would I come on my daughter April? She's exactly the same. And it's like suddenly you could get this favourite chair. And it's like the psalmist has found his favourite place at the feet of Jesus. Dwelling, resting, listening. Mary was always found at the feet of Jesus. It was like her favourite chair. Listening to what Jesus, not just hearing, but listening to what he was saying. So as we just develop this, because this, I think it's so important if we kind of go back to the, the rush of life, that we now realise that from where I started, the stress of life, that we've really got to pick up on these words, because it says, um, sh- we'll shelter. It's like a place where God lives. Now we know God's everywhere, but speaking here, in that sense he's talking about the shelter, the place where he is. He is not a pit stop that you pull in just for a quick repair, like a Formula One car. He's not a hotel that you just come in when you want a quick rest and then you shoot off again. He's not a, pl- he's not a person you Come to when all else fails, let's turn to God. He wants to be there as a shelter on a daily basis for you. It says you will rest, which means you will lodge, it means you will stay around. It says in, in the Bible, doesn't it? That they that wait upon the Lord will renew their strength, they will rise up with wings like eagles because they've waited. Eagles are special birds, eagles are unique birds. Why does it not say they will, they that wait upon the Lord will, will rise up with wings like chickens? Why does it not say that, eh? Because they grovel on the ground, they look down, they never look up, they're always looking for corn in the dirt. All they do doing is waiting to go in your oven. There's probably one now when you get home today. That's all they do. But eagles soar. Eagles fly. Eagles see further than any other bird. See, they just rise to another level. And that's what it says. If you wait on the Lord and you listen and you hear what he's saying, that's where he wants to bring us to. And it's important that you don't just hear, but you also, that you listen. When um, sometimes, because again, the stress and the, the pace of our society Things now are always kind of to go. So most of your coffee shops, you hear people say, don't you, um, can I have a coffee to go? we just stayed at the Premier Inn. I noticed it wasn't here this morning, but when I've stayed in them before, it always speaks about breakfast. You've got this option to grab and go. Grab and go. It's always on the rush. And sometimes that's how people want to treat God. It's just, God, I'm in a hurry today, but can you get a quick blessing? No, 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 amen. Cross themselves and they're off. Uh, and, and he's, he's saying, no, no, that's not how I want you to live. I want you to, I'm not here just to grab and go. I I want, I need you to sit and hear and listen, which will then feed you for what you need to go out and, and enjoy and be part of in your your work and your life and society. I'm, I I get carried away with stuff, then I jump from one thing to another rather than, um, so when you, so for, for instance, when you travel, and this again is where, um, Sue thinks I'm a bit eccentric. I, I did a lot of, I did a lot of travel, um, Years and years ago, in, in Eastern Europe, uh, when it, in, in Croatia and S- Serbia and all those countries, before the, when it was a ha- really hard place to be. So I used to go with, with with my bag, and everything is in here for if there's a problem. So now it's all kind of a lot better. Everywhere I still go, even in a travel lodge that's brand new, that would just been refurbed that we're in, it's a beautiful place. This one here, but I still have all this stuff with me. So, when I get in, you know, I've got string in case I have, to, I have to tie something. I've got a little set of screwdrivers, you know. So, I'm thinking I'm still in Serbia where you have to fix and mend stuff on the go. let little set of screwdrivers and a um, music player and um, um, binoculars. But that's because I like watching planes. Okay, no other reason. That's uh, So, uh, chargers for everything. I've got, uh, I have got. I have some, some tape in case you have to fix something. Something for every eventuality. Um, spare pair of glasses. Uh, if the electric's go, we've got a candle Okay, so we've the candle, go, but we've also got a lighter because of that. And then, just in case your suit buttons go, I've got a few buttons. And a, then there's a, a sewing kit, and there's a few plasters, and and a, if you need to take any teeth out in a hurry, you know you've got your. But but so what I tend to do is, even now. I would, so quite often, see, we're there for overnight, she'll leave her stuff in a case. But I, I take everything out, I hang it up, even though I'm leaving next morning, I get all this out, I put it in a row. It's all, so that's the eccentricity. But in my thinking, what all I'm saying is, I'm unpacking my bag and I'm settling here. Because I like to feel settled. And in a sense, God says sometimes to us, he says... I just wish you'd stop and unpack your bag because you're waiting to go on to your next thing and I want you to unpack your bag and I want you to, I want you to show me that you're here to sit and listen and to shelter and to rest because that's the only place where you will really listen. A quick illustration from uh, just last year, year before. We were, um, doing some ministry training for probationary ministers at Mattersy. And uh, the national leadership team were doing the the, the stuff. And a, a guy had was speaking on uh, your personal devotional, the devotional life of a minister. Okay, so you listen to it and it was all good stuff. But he's, at the end, um, actually it was John Andrews who did the book called Rest that got up at the end. He says, right now we're going to do something practical on the back of what you've just heard. So he said, um, I want you to go to your room because I want you to listen to God. And so he's talking to all the ministers now. I want you to go to your room. So we're very good at telling you to do stuff. But actually, when they do it to us, they think, oh, right, I'm not sure about that. So he said, I want you to go to your room. I want you to switch your phones off. I want you to turn your computers off. I don't want you to talk to anyone. I want you to, not sorry, he didn't say go to your room. I want you to go somewhere on the campus. I want you not to talk to anyone, mix with anyone, shut everything down. And I want you to listen for half an hour to what God is saying to you. And then I want you to come back and I want you to tell, I want you to tell us what you feel God has shared with you. I'm thinking, all oh, right, that's interesting. We're usually telling the people to do this and now, now he's telling us. So I, I decided to go to the room in Mattersea and just lie in the bed and just quietly listen. Now, the intention was right. I, tur- I put my phone on silent and put it on the table. A Couple of minutes in, phone was on vibrate. Phone vibrates. So I'm thinking, I wonder what it is. I wonder if it's important. If I have a look, John Andrews won't know. Nobody will know. I'm on my own. So I've got all this stuff going through my head. So my t- the half hour's gone, I've got nothing. I- I've been st- still thinking what's on my phone. Uh, typical, isn't it? So I, we go back into this uh, this room. And so we're all sat around. So I purposely now went on the second row so I could keep my head down, <laughs> hope, hoping that he's not going to pick me. And um, actually, he didn't have to because some people really had sensed something. And one of them actually was John Partington who said, I'll I'll tell you what happened to me. He said, I went out and I lay on the field. It was a beautiful day. So I lay on the field and it was so quiet and peaceful. And I just lay on the grass and I, I closed my eyes. And he said, but so, he said, it was so quiet that suddenly the silence became deafening because I could now hear stuff that I wouldn't normally hear. So he could hear a dog barking miles in the distance. He could hear a plane that you couldn't see. He, he heard stuff happening that if he had been talking, listening, just doing life, he wouldn't have heard the stuff. And just out of that, I got this thought that the more we're quiet, the more we hear. And so it's very important that we don't just hear, but we listen. Okay, I think I've said enough on that because I want to move on. My time is saying, hurry up. That's what it's saying. So I think that's probably, yeah, that, that will do. Um, only to say this. It says in that passage that um, when we're seated, well, I'm interpreting this. When you're seated, you're not running around. Okay? You're not running around like a headless chicken. When you're seated... You can't be pushed around. Okay? When you're seated, you can't fall. So seated with Christ. That's what the Bible says in heavenly places. And we listen. Fourth thing. Don't just look. Observe. Don't just look. Observe. It's interesting. The Bible, uh, particularly in the King James Version, it says this word a number of times. Behold. Which means look. Behold the birds of the air. But it's not just, oh, look at them birds, aren't they pretty? It's saying, look at those birds because they don't do this and they don't do this, but your heavenly father looks after them, so don't worry. So you're beholding with a view to learn, not just to look. Behold actually means, so John the Baptist, behold the Lamb of God that takes away the Son of the Lord. Don't just, he wasn't saying, oh, look at Jesus. He was saying, look at the Lamb of God takes away the sinless, blameless I'm not worthy to undo his shoelaces. He must increase, I must decrease. It was saying to look at Jesus in a way that you've not looked at him before. Yeah. And so when, we, when we're talking about this um, ability to look and observe more than just uh, see things, um, I just think it's important that we, when we are observing, and I hope I can explain this well enough, I think it's important that we try and observe and behold and view things How God does. And if we talk about how God views things, his passion, his total passion is for lost. I'm using a word that I don't think exists, but I like it. Lostness. The son of man came into the world to seek and to save that which was lost. His whole heart is about lostness. And then Luke 15 gives us a picture of how God views our world, and its lostness. And he wants us to view that same world and have a passion for the lost. And he tells some stories, doesn't he, in Luke 15, and he says, um, this is how to view people. Uh, a guy had 100 sheep and he lost one. Now I'm thinking, I've been a pastor for 30 years, because it was eight years somewhere, that's before I was at Bolton, and um, if someone said to me, you've got 100 people, and they came back, and there was you lost one. You think you've done pretty good, because certainly in the north area people move around like crazy. And uh, so I think, oh, not done bad. Ninety-nine percent, you know. I don't know. but that's not how, that's not how God looks at lost. He says, I'm leaving you fat found ones. No offense there, but you fat you're fed, you're you're in good pasture. I'm leaving you fat found ones to go and find this one that was lost. So his whole heart is about the care of the lost. Then it goes on to another little. Story scenario about a lady. Who loses a coin in a house. And it's a strange story, really, because it says when she actually, she went through this process, this, um, strategy, because she pulled the rugs back and she did this and she did that and she did this and she found it. And then she goes out and she holds a party because she's found a a coin, which seems a bit strange. Like you losing 40 pound in your house, find it down the back of the settee and bring the whole street in to celebrate. It costs you more than that, wouldn't it, to have your celebration? So, but it's just, but, but it's making a point. So I've got, I've got this, um, again, my, my, eccentricities. Um, I have strategies for things that I lose all the time. Finding things that I lose all the time. And you might be the same. Some of you are looking at me like I'm odd, but I'm sure some of you do this. You lose your wallet, your phone, your glasses and your keys. Okay? So I lose my wallet quite regularly. And, but I have a process because I sleep with it under my pillar. So Sue can't get it. Sometimes I feel, I feel her arm going under my pillar at night and but you know, I'll, I'll be at work the next day, I'll be at the office, I'll be at the office the next day, and I, oh, where's my, my wallet? And I think, ah, be, be under my pillow. So I go back to the house, I look under the pillow, and it's not there. But sometimes it's falling down, so stage two, it's falling down under the bed. If it's not there, quite often when I'm driving, if your wallet gets in the way of your seatbelt, I put it under the seat, so I go to the car, and it, I've never lost it permanent. I've always found it, because I have a strategy for lostness, Okay? <laughs> I, I I lose my, uh, what was the other thing, my, my, my mobile phone. So I bet you do the same, you have, where's my mobile phone? So you get your landline, you ring your mobile phone, you walk around your house, you walk to your car, you walk there, and, and eventually you find it because you've got a strategy for lostness. Your glasses, they're everywhere, they usually end up, they're on my head, around my neck, but I've, I've got this process where I find them. But it's interesting. Many, many churches don't have a strategy for lost. The strategy for services, uh, leadership, for programs for community, but not a not a plan, a strategy for the lost and this is what the Bible says that the Son of Man came to seek and save that which was lost. This is how most churches probably operate where what i 've led as well, so you you have um, your leadership, so i 'm just going to put leadership there, then we go down and From your leadership usually comes its vision. Pardon my writing and spelling. Comes its vision. Out of your vision will come your... I'm going to put program, services, events, all that kind of stuff. After a while, if this is all we're about, because I think Phil said at the start, we're not just here about services. We're here about Jesus, and Jesus' heart is lost people. And after a while, this can become quite tedious and hard work sometimes and laborious. But if we just... Add one thing to this, it always will bring our focus back to why we're here. And I'm gonna put here our cause. And every every church's cause. Whatever you do, whatever whatever type of church you are, and everybody's different, we all reach different people in different ways, but everybody's heart should be lost people. Okay, now when we realise that, we realise that all this stuff we're doing now. Is about our cause and it's not just about our leadership, it's not just about our vision, it's about why we exist. And that's why church is here, because of lost people. So it's important that we don't just see, we don't just look, but we observe. And we observe stuff and things and people in our world, how God views them. Then the last thing, I think this just gets me in my time, I've got four minutes and I will finish because I'm always good at I always think it's important that we finish on time. Don't just talk. Say something. Have you ever have you met people who just talk and talk and talk and talk, and when they finish, you think, "What on earth did they say?" Have you ever had preachers who've gone on for an hour, an hour and a half, hour and three quarters, and you go home, you think, "What did they say?" Don't say this morning because that that won't be right. But but don't. don't <laughs> have you? But I've done it. I've done it loads of times. That what did they say? And it's important that when we talk, we say something. So even Jesus, it wasn't just his. Words, even his silences were powerful. So when, um, they bring this prostitute before him and they're condemning her and he writes on the ground, doesn't say a word. And you can, you can, you can see them all backing off slowly and thinking, what on earth is he writing? But his his silence was overwhelming. When Pilate accused him and he says, come on, show us some tricks, show us your magic, show us your miracles, all this kind of stuff. And it said, like a sheep before a shear is dumb, he didn't utter a word. And it's suddenly like the accuser, Pilate, now became intimidated by the silence. And it's just so important that we, even some of Jesus' words, his, his, you know, his statements, his powerful statements were so brief. It is finished. Father, forgive them. Didn't need words and words and words and words. Behold the birds of the air. Just all simple statements. But it's important we don't just talk, but we say something. In conclusion, this morning, just so that you can we can recap and that you don't, um, well, I'm sure you're going to leave with something. One of the most powerful verses in the Bible for me was the day when I was really struggling uh, with ministry and actually coming to terms with, am I just going through this uh, through a process here? Am I just going through a cycle of this? Just me being um, coming out of my own personality rather than what's coming from. God, and I I remember reading the passage that we often relate to when we're having communion in our services, and Paul said this, that which I receive from the Lord, I give to you. That which I receive from the Lord, I give to you. And if we can live so that our words are focused on that scripture, so that that what we give to people, lost people, people we care for, people we're helping, if we can work on it so that what we do, even this morning, the words I share with you, the stuff that I, I can clearly say, that which I've received from the Lord, I pass on to you. That was a brave thing for Paul to say, but that's the stuff that will really be effective. So in your life daily, as you do these things, as you know that you have only got so long left to live, even though you don't know what it is, and the question is, uh, we make the most of every day, um, what can we do with the time we have left? Then here's the stuff we can do. We can not just exist, but we can live. We don't just eat, but we taste. We don't just hear, but we listen. We don't just look, but we observe. And we don't just speak, but we say something. And what we want to say is what we've received from the Lord to give to others.
0: Thank you for listening, and we trust that the Word of God has inspired you today. For further information about King's Church, or to access our large archive of other recordings, go to www.kingscambridge.org. If you're listening on iTunes, We would love you to leave us some feedback. God bless and goodbye.